Welcome to the Wellness Point with Logan. I am excited to have you here today. Um, I have some really great tips and strategies that I think will be helpful in challenging our thoughts, our, our behaviors, and hopefully our emotions as well. Um, thank you for listening today. As always, we begin with a check-in. Um, how are you feeling today? Are you in a safe space where you can actually listen openly and deal with whatever emotions might come up? If now isn't a great time, it's okay. Just hit pause and come back when you're ready. It's important to be reminded that this is not a therapeutic relationship. It's about information sharing. Some of the tips are going to be beneficial and others are going to be irrelevant. It's up to you to use your discretion as to how you apply them in your daily life. If you find yourself in need of more uh, intensive support or that we've triggered something, please reach out to your local mental health providers. Uh, Recovery is possible and none of us need to suffer alone. This pandemic has really forced so many of us into some very uncomfortable spaces. And I'm not talking about work requirements or (laughs) dealing with others and their panic. I'm talking more about those spaces that are in your head. Some of us were lost in tedious distractions of what we call normal. And I had to think about that even for myself. I'm very ambitious and I work a lot. And my normal was wake up and go, 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 go. And because I've been on this journey of building my brand and building my business, I haven't necessarily taken care of myself in the way that I had taken care of myself. And more importantly, in a way that I want to take care of myself. And so what we call normal may have included just an abundance of stress, stress that in some cases you couldn't do anything about because it, it, it's just the nature of your situation, your children. Maybe you have a parent who's ill, maybe um, finances are just not great. But there are some stressors that we could have done something about. But because of the distractions in our life, we really just didn't pay attention to it. We were so focused on the of our routine that we didn't really think about what was actually happening in our life. Some of those distractions include unhealthy relationships. And so now you find yourself in a home or in an apartment with someone that you knew you should have left a long time ago. And you know what? It may not even be them. It might be you. Truth is, it doesn't really matter who it is. Them, you, you, them. Who cares? If it's unhealthy and it's not working for you, then it's problematic. But we know you kind of coast it because they take out the trash. Or you kind of coast it because paying half the bills is pretty nice. Or you kind of coast it because it wasn't so bad that you would just get up and leave. And so finding comfort in the dysfunction is one of the reasons we don't make changes. You might be in a dead end job and you've been in that job two, five, 10 years even. And you've known a very long time that this is not for you. Some of you are in jobs where you feel like your soul is literally being sucked out of you and you dread going in there. Your mood is bad, your attitude is bad, everything someone says to you, you kind of feel ugh about it. And 
it isn't really them. It's just you knew it was time for a change. But unfortunately, because of everything else going on, bills need to be paid. Life has to keep moving. You stay. Some of you have engaged in just poor habits in general. Um, Maybe you haven't been taking your medication the way that you should. Maybe you haven't even been to a doctor in years. So that pain that you're feeling in the back of your head just keeps getting worse and keeps getting worse. That low energy that you seem to have even after you've slept for what seems like hours and hours is still happening. And so... You ignored it because, hey, there's pain medication. Hey, there's Red Bull. I'll be okay. And some of it might be just your mood. You know, have you ever met a person who just like wakes up in a negative mood? As soon as their feet hit the floor, all they can think about is what is going to go wrong. These are those people who are like, hey, the sun is shining. And they're like, so what? It's going to be cold later. And you're like, okay, but the sun is shining now. And they just can't seem to get with you. And so that normalcy that we built into those dysfunctional routines, many of us right now are are, are really confronted with the fact that they didn't work. They're not working. And even after this is over, they're not going to work again. And More so, you might be saying, you don't even want it to work again. And that normal just isn't normal, never was normal. In fact, it just was downright dysfunctional. Now, yes, I continue to pray daily for the safety and health of all essential workers and humanity as a whole. And I am certainly looking forward to recovery, not just financially and physically regarding our health and overall safety, but also mentally, emotionally, and globally. So many distractions has resulted in a loss of humanity. Petty arguments, uh, the the divide simply because of religion, fights based on immigration status. I mean, you know, you have children who have chronic anxiety issues because of the pressure to get into a particular school or just to be perfect. And those are things that serve no one well. They're they're a damper. They are a significant barrier to living life to the fullest. And truthfully, as, as I say this here, I know there are some people saying, but Corona is why my relationship is bad. And Corona is why my job sucks. And Corona is why I'm eating bad. And Corona is why my mood is so negative. And the truth is, everything ain't Corona's fault. Everything ain't Corona's fault. Some of this was just you well before Corona ever came into existence. And so we have to get real about what's going on if we hope to move forward. And you know, that brings me to the focus of today's episode, transformation and healing. Now I know you've heard transformation before and it's a it's a cute buzzword for a lot of people. They're like, I'm gonna be transformed. And then what they mean by transformation is simply they got a new hairstyle, they bought a new vehicle, they went on a trip, they lost some weight, maybe they purchased a home or they got a new job or a new partner. And 
I mean, those are forms of transformation, but those are all superficial and temporary forms of transformation. When I mention transformation and I add that healing to it, I'm talking about a transformation of the mind, body, heart, and spirit. It's an alignment of those four entities within ourselves. And again, it's within ourselves. But if you never take the trip, if you never get the promotion, if you never find the mate, if you don't lose the weight, that you are healed and you have found a new way to move forward that is positive, that is self-affirming, and that makes you feel good about your existence in this world. And in order to do that, to get to the healing and to get to the transformation, we have to to get really uncomfortable. I mean, we have to be so uncomfortable that we are living in discomfort. Not forever, but temporarily. So when we choose to engage in discomfort, what we're saying is is that I'm ready. I, I am willing to see myself as I am. I am willing to challenge my thought process. I am willing to acknowledge how I keep myself on the run of the routine and how I'm not allowing myself to grow into who I would like to be. You know, discomfort has the potential to create sustainable change, a lifelong change. It also can force you into a retreat if you're not ready. And so it's the key uh, to everything on each episode that we would talk about is being ready. If you're not ready for the change, that's fine. You can slow it down and think about how to prepare for that change, how to prepare to even be ready to think about that. What we call that um, in the clinical world is motivational interviewing, where you identify what stage of change you're in, uh, what's your motivation for your change, what you would need to actually be successful in your change, to stay motivated and engaged in your change. And then of course, what to do if you have a setback. Uh, Sometimes we make changes and then we feel terrible if we've had some setback, but setbacks are normal. So the tips and strategies and things we're going to cover today isn't about perfection. It's simply about finding what would be our new healthy functioning and normalcy. What would be transformative for ourselves and the and how we choose to engage in a healing journey to support our overall goals. So I want to talk about how we cope that might not be so great. So there's a researcher, his name is Ben, and he coined this term coping ugly, and I absolutely love it. Um, The reason I am such a fan of this this particular term is that there are coping skills um, that we all use. Some of them are healthy and some of them are unhealthy, but just because they're unhealthy doesn't mean that they don't serve a purpose. Um, We do what we've been taught to do you know how we suffer is a direct result of how our parents caregivers or ancestors suffered they teach us how to experience suffering they teach us how to respond to suffering because they model it for us something bad happens we look to them and whatever they did is going to become um, a part of our lives it's going to be imprinted on our minds for how we will respond in the future to similar situations or distressful situations we're going to you know really mimic what we see and that's even more so with emotional development and expression. 
Because emotional development is all about the feeling. It's all about what, how we feel around this person and when they are experiencing distress and how they're choosing to grieve. And so many of us have picked up really bad habits from people that we love and who love us and we're doing the very best they could do with the knowledge and resources they had. And that's important to note too. So coping ugly can include a whole host of things. Uh, but in this pandemic, and I think even in life in general, there are a couple of uh, coping ugly strategies that most people can identify with. Eating, overeating, binge eating, right? How many times have you, you know, you, you open that big bag of chips and you were like, I'm going to have the portion size and you like dump it out. Right. And you're eating the chips in front of the TV and then you, you get up and you notice that you got up three times to get more chips. And so something in your head unconsciously just clicks and you're like, well, I might as well just grab this bag and bring it in here. Why do I keep getting up and going back to get chips? You know, it might even be something that I do, which I know, like I just can't do it. Um, I'm going to buy extra because I can have it for a couple of days. Well, if it's something I really, really like, it probably isn't going to last a couple of days because I really, really like it. And if I can eat a chicken wing versus zucchini and squash, I'm going to choose the chicken wing every time. I mean, I'm just going to do that. Um, So you got to know yourself. What are your eating patterns? Are you eating more when you're by yourself? Are you eating out of boredom and repetition in front of the TV? Are you eating because you just, you kind of feel empty and you're like, "Mm, I just need something else? Because you might feel empty, but it might not have anything to do with food or satiation. Do you find yourself drinking a little bit more? You know, maybe drinking was your form of socialization. You would go to your local sports bar or your local wine vineyard and meet your friends and socialize over a glass of wine or a cocktail. And now with social distancing, you're home. So you find yourself having more and more and more without realizing it. The fifth is gone and you you need to go purchase two more bottles of wine. Um, that might be the case. And that could have been the case even before the restrictions of staying at home were in place. But now you see them more amplified because of the, the limitations that we might have. When talking about drinking is really interesting because sometimes um, it's hard to, to know if your alcohol usage is just use. And I don't know if there's a healthy use of alcohol. Um, You know, I'm a clinical social worker and I know what it does to the body and mind. So I don't know that I can ever say that there's a healthy use of alcohol, but there certainly is an appropriate, responsible use of alcohol. And that is going to fall on the line of you're not suffering any physical uh, ailments or withdrawals related to your use. You aren't missing work because your your drinking is out of hand. You aren't having extreme mood disturbances where you are fighting or you're being verbally assaultive to other people. Um, 
and you're not overspending on your your alcohol use or drinking in favor of eating food. And so those are, I think, a couple of good ways to distinguish between what would be responsible use and what would be unhealthy, irresponsible use, maybe borderline abuse of alcohol. So uh, in Ohio, (laughs) at the end of March, April, uh, beginning of April, uh, the Ohio Department of Health and Cells kind of released this thing about, ooh, watch your alcohol consumption because the alcohol sales had gone up to like $25.8 million in the month of March. And I'm sure we're right on schedule to repeat that. And so I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to think about your alcohol intake, think about why you're drinking, think about how often you're drinking, and think about the amount you're drinking. And that then again spools over to substances, you know, increased use of cannabis, increased use of, you know, cocaine and heroin. Uh, For a while, Ohio and Northeast Ohio, where I am, there was a downtrend happening with heroin overdoses. But in the last week, there have there were 12. So we had like a big spike in a weekend. And so we have to think about too, you know, there are people who supported their sobriety, and, and had created their social sober, sober network through attending AA or NA or support groups in the community that typically would run all day, you know, multiple times in the day, and then also every single day. And so now they've lost that. Now, yes, there are NA and AA meetings online and you can go to like your local mental health and addiction board to find out when those are. But if you don't have good um, internet service, a good computer or a great, a good phone or even phone service at this time, then you're not going to be able to engage in those. And so we want to open up the space for that to make sure that we're talking about the need for people to socialize just to stay sober, not to engage in those practices, but to actually stay sober. And finally, I just want to touch on compulsive shopping. So I hate shopping in stores. Shopping online is pretty much how I get most of the things that I get. And I had to have a real come to Jesus conversation with myself. Like, look here, stay off these websites, you know? And so I go on, I add a whole bunch of stuff into my bag, and then I X out of the browser. I just X out of it. Because now you're at home, you need things. Um, you don't need things. Maybe you've watched enough TV. You, you've eaten what you were going to eat. Maybe you even took a walk around the block. You came back home and you got online and boom. And you just started buying and buying and buying. Now, here is the best tip I can give you for that. Only buy what you actually need. And if you buy something that you don't actually need, then it should be something that supports your mental wellness and continue progress towards your transformation and healing. So if you are a painter, it's perfectly okay to buy some canvases and some paint. If you're not a painter, but you think that might help, that makes really good sense to purchase those items. Um, Eating, overeating, drinking, overuse of of alcohol or um, substances, of any type and compulsive shopping can really make mental health symptoms a little bit worse. You might experience anxiety, depression, and even loneliness. I mean, there are a lot of people who live alone who are feeling isolated because 
their socialization occurred by just going out, you know, going to the bookstores, going to the museums, going to the parks, and now with trying to stay home and support those initiatives and precautions, they're home and they feel lonely. And loneliness can um, negatively impact mental status and well-being. And so talk to your friends, be honest with yourself about what you need. I also want to give two resources. The suicide prevention hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. And this line isn't only if you are contemplating suicide. What I love about this line is that you can call if you're feeling any signs of distress or, or just crisis in general. There's also a text crisis counseling line that's 24 hours and it's 741-741 again 741-741 and that way you don't even have to talk to the person if you don't want to say what's going on with you you can text them and they'll respond to you and kind of walk you through what would be the best steps to support your overall wellness and of course safety So I mentioned how we suffer is something that occurs basically through modeling. And what I know is like when I was younger and and now that I'm a, a, a clinical social worker, I do a lot of work with people on emotional vocabulary and emotional development because so many people resort to anger. They have no idea what they're actually feeling, what they're actually going through. They, they, there are no words that they can give to it. And so I spent a lot of time just helping people identify emotions, separating one emotion from the other, naming it, and then of course, defining it. And these are things that as children, no one ever set us down and said, hey, let's talk about what you're feeling right now. Like let's specifically name that thing and talk about the way that you're going to express that. I mean, how powerful would that be for a kid who's having a temper tantrum for their parent to say, I mean, like, what is really going on with you? Are you hungry? What's happening? And so right now, I just want you to take a moment. If you can close your eyes, I like you to just take a moment, close your eyes. If you're driving, don't. But I want you to think, what emotions do you find yourself expressing often? Like when you when you feel any type of distress, what is the emotion that you typically feel? Is it sadness? Is it anger? Is it nothing? And once you have that word or those words in your head, um, I just want you to think about how often Do you simply say to a person, I feel humiliated and ashamed? Or do you go straight to a defensive stance and present with anger, the yelling, the profanity, physical agitation, and lashing out? See, there's a lot of people who, um, you know, are sent to anger management, which I don't think they have anger management issues. I think the problem is they don't quite know what they're feeling and it just comes out as anger because it's distressing, it's overwhelming, and most importantly, it's uncomfortable. So in order to to deal with things, to cope better, then we have to actually name what we are experiencing define what that means and think about how it's influencing our mood 
and indirectly how we interact with other people. And so I'm going to give you eight strategies to help you cope a little bit better. Uh, This particular list was developed by another psychologist and she called it a way to challenge your negative self-talk. But I'm not going to use that because I don't think that everything is negative. Sometimes when you are telling yourself, hey, you made a mistake that wasn't right, that might be negative, but it might be accurate. Um, So I don't ever want us to get into a place where we're being superficial about what we've done and we're not really dealing in, I guess, reality. So I'm going to call it, you're going to challenge your inner critic and your inner coward. And the reason I call it that is we all have a critic and a coward. Our inner critic tells us everything that's wrong with us and it tells everybody else what's wrong with them. You know those critics, right? It shows up and it's running. Somebody says something about you and you meet that with that same energy. We also have an inner coward. We don't like to talk about that one. And the inner coward is when we know someone has done something to violate us in some way. Um, Could have been dismissive. They could have been disrespectful. And instead of us telling them in that moment what you did, was disrespectful and it makes me feel invisible and completely worthless to you. We don't do that. We hang up on them. We send snarky texts back and forth. We might stop talking to them for a couple of days. Anything to avoid really challenging them and challenging ourselves to live in our truth and to feel empowered and to tell a person exactly what we feel. Not to hurt them, but to to improve communication, to improve the relationship so that there's healthy discourse and healthy engagement. So we're going to start with number one. We're going to name our inner coward and our inner critic. We're going to call them something that is completely absurd. And what I mean by that is don't give them the name that you want to name your firstborn. Don't name them your grandma's name. You want to name this inner critic or coward something that every time you say it, it sounds ridiculous. When you do that, then you disempower that inner critic and coward. And they lose credibility. So when they start to speak, they pop up. You can laugh about it. And it takes away from some of that sting of what they're saying. Number two, you're going to play with your thoughts, right? So maybe you made a mistake. And like one of the things that I say, and I'm really trying to work on it, is if I do something that like I know I shouldn't have done, like, come on, you know, that was you should have done differently. I sometimes say just like stupid, stupid, right? And I know that I'm not stupid, but it's habit to just stupid, right? It just pops out. So what if you sang it? Stupid, right? It's kind of silly. You won't even feel that sting. And what happens is the more you do that, the less likely you are to use that terminology to describe yourself or others. You can sing it. You can rhyme it. You can do whatever you need to do to, to just play around with it. The third thing she talks about is a tactile reminder. Now, I am not in favor of tactile reminders because I don't believe that the way to create healthy, positive, uplifting behavior and thoughts are to use uh, things that create pain. So the suggestion is to put a rubber band around your wrist and every time you have, you know, that inner critic or inner coward popping up and distorting the truth, you just pop yourself with the rubber band. Now, I know that this does work. 
It, it works for many, many people. It just doesn't work for me. I believe I can heal without that type of pain. Number four, end every, every comment by your inner critic or your inner coward with an and. So you made a mistake and you overspent on some things and now you got to really budget. And the first thing you say is, oh my God, this is so stupid. You say, this is so stupid and... And you might want to keep going a little bit negative. This is so stupid. And your bills are going to be late. And you're going to get a late fee. And this is going to mess up your credit. And you're going to be in the same situation you were back when you said you wanted to change. And I still can recover from this. And next month, I won't make the same mistake. And I'm trying to be kinder to myself. And the way that I'm going to do that is to give forgive myself for mistakes. And... And think of the things that I do well. And so what you're trying to do is take that stream of consciousness, that thought process from a negative to a positive. Number five, draft a power statement. So I know you've heard of that TED talk where the lady talks about standing like a superhero in the mirror before you go on an interview or before you have to have a difficult conversation because just doing that for 10 seconds completely changes the way that you see yourself and how you walk out of that room and into the next room of confidence. And so the power statement kind of works in the same way. You could use sticky notes. You can put this power statement on your phone. I have my vision board on my phone as the screensaver so that anytime I'm, I'm like in a moment of overwhelming uh, feelings and emotions related to what I'm working on, I just look at the vision board to remind myself of what I'm doing. And so you can do the same thing with your draft power statement. Like, what are you trying to do? What is the goal? What is, what, what is all this about? And, and why does it matter? Number six, create a brag file. Now this one was really cool because I have in my past had a gratitude file. I've had a thank you file. I've even had a goal file, right? But I never thought to create a brag file. And a brag file is just where you write things that you've accomplished in your life. Um, It could be maybe you graduated school, maybe um, you saved a certain amount of money and so you have a good savings. It could be anything. There, there is no limit on this. It's simply about you. It's simply about you and what makes you feel good. And when you are in your low mood, you just go to that. You just go to the brag file and read it. And I guarantee you, it's going to uplift your mood. Sometimes we have to be reminded of the things we've done well. It's just part of what we need for our mental wellness. Number seven, music, music, music. So I told you on the last episode that my mood was low and I was so thankful for the versus battle with Fim It Forward with uh, Jill Scott and Erica Badu and just listening to that music totally transformed my, my mood and my spirit. I was uplifted and just ready to, to go the next day. And so you can do that for yourself. Create a playlist where every single song is a bop. Like as soon as you hear the first note, you're like, yes, you're up and you're doing what you got to do. Because sometimes we got to be our own cheerleader and music is one of the best conduits to, 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 to lead to that. Finally, number eight, compliment someone else. Now, she suggests that you email. I don't. Call someone on the phone and give them a compliment. 
Like I know we're in the age of texting, which I am not a fan of, and emailing and all these different ways to talk and communicate with people without actually talking to people. Call a person, let them hear your voice. Let them feel all that emotion in your voice when you give them that compliment. Not only will it make them feel better, but it's gonna make you feel better because it gets you out of that critic and coward who wants to say what's not working and and what needs to be improved and kind of take you to what is actually great. Not only that, that person is going to give you a compliment. Something that you may not have even expected they would think is worthy of complimenting. And so it's like a ripple effect. When you send out those good vibrations, when you compliment, it's going to come back. And it's gonna come back in a way that you didn't expect it, but you definitely need it. Um, I compliment my best friend Alexis all the time. We, I, I think sometimes we are so cheesy because we're like, oh, that is so dope. Oh, that is so awesome. Oh, you did such a great job. And it's important for us to do that. It keeps our mood lifted with everything that we're going through. And it also, for both of us, I think, helps me to, to see, somebody sees me, somebody sees how hard I'm working and what I'm trying to do. And we all need validation. So I've given you eight tips to try to work on your inner coward and critic. And hopefully that voice is going to really get smaller and smaller and smaller. And you can engage in some more productive and healthy coping strategies that uh, support your overall goals, your transformation, and of course, your wellness. I thank you for listening. I know we went over a little bit, but it was necessary. Please rate and review. Please rate, review, and share. Your feedback is much appreciated. It will only strengthen the podcast and I appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.